gun Ramos looking like he's got one more good run Sips a little shaky But his heart is still true Oh how that dog loves hunting with me and you Sporting dog adventures run The Sporting Dog Adventures podcast is proudly brought to you by Soggy Acres Retrievers. Remember, everyone deserves a Soggy Dog. Welcome to the Sporting Dog Adventures podcast. We are going to talk about some fun topics today and try to give you a little more knowledge. Myself and my dog Scarlett, who is sitting here wagging her tail, Uh, In a minute, she'll probably go and grab me a toy that will squeak and make noise and irritate me so that I have to do this podcast over. Usually the dogs do something that get me so I drift off and I lose my train of thought and then have to to, uh, come back and redo it again. But today, what I want to do is I want to talk about the importance of a good pedigree on a dog that you purchase, uh, whether it's for hunting or as a pet, and the pros and cons. I want to talk to you about why we release dogs by their name on a retrieve in our training tips section. And then I am beyond excited. I want to talk about teal season. That in Wisconsin starts September 1st. I've been out scouting and we have a new property that uh, we're purchasing that is going to uh, give us many, many more options. So that will be what we have on top today. And we will hopefully entertain you and hopefully you will give us a like on whatever platform you are and share our podcast with your friends. The podcast is growing really fast. Honestly, it's it's uh, growing quite a bit faster than I ever expected. Um, we are reaching people all over the world and it is humbling and also fun because this is something that uh, we are doing basically for fun. Uh, the sponsors that we list are sponsors that we have through our social media as well as our uh, we run the show on reruns on a local channel and uh, they take commercial time during that. So we're really not dealing with any sponsors on this. We're just doing it as a fun way to connect with our fans uh, from our TV show Sporting Dog Adventures as well as from our kennel side Acres Retrievers. And I really hope you guys enjoy it. So today we are going to talk about why you get a good pedigree. I often hear people say, I only want a hunting dog, so I don't need that loaded pedigree. And that is something that I want to try to educate you on today. Pedigree shows ability. And I hear this over and over. I know we've talked about this a little in the past, but you have to have a phenomenal pedigree when you're investing in that puppy because you never know where a dog will take you. You never know what you're going to end up doing with this dog. I, for one, am an example of that. I started out... I only deer hunted and I just wanted a dog that I could take and let run around and be my buddy and take along when I went scouting so that if I shot a roughed grouse uh, up in northern Wisconsin in the woods, the dog maybe would go find it for me, maybe not, but just, just kind of get a buddy and got a dog with a phenomenal pedigree. From there, you never know where it's going to take you. I've hosted two different dog shows, owned one of those shows, Sporting Dog Adventures, and now have one of the largest kennels in the upper Midwest. Um, training, we train uh, 40 to 50 dogs a year. And again, I just wanted a pet. And I got a dog with all the ability in the world 
that I could do so many fun things with. And her name was Lily Bell. And Lily taught me more about life in the dog world than any two-legged person or two-legged being would. And she also taught me many of my faults and trying to handle a dog as she generally ran me in the field. When you look at a dog's pedigree, uh, you will usually have access uh, when you have a breeder to a three to a five generation pedigree. You want to look for things in front of the dog's registered name. Uh, for instance, our dog Ace, his name is Soggy Acres Red Baron. He has HRCH in front of his name, which is Hunter Retriever Champion. And Hunter Retriever Champion is a Finnish title uh, in the HRC, which is uh, also the UKC. So that is a the, the top level of competition for those hunt tests. Then he has Soggy Acres Red Baron MH. So HRCH, Soggy Acres Red Baron MH. And MH is Master Hunter, and that is a hunt test in the AKC. They're a little bit harder than the HRC, and uh, they take just as many passes to get, but the, the MH is Master Hunter, so that shows also ability on both those titles. It shows that the dog is intelligent, can be trained, and has the natural ability to compete against other dogs to a standard. By a standard means if they look at a certain level, regardless of how many dogs pass, the dog would pass. And you need a certain amount of passes to get that title. So they have three, uh, probably four to six weekends between the two tests that the dogs would have to run and run at these competitive levels. A lot of times it takes a whole year, uh, if not several years, for people to get the dogs to these titles. And then ACE is also HRCH, Soggy Acres Red Baron, MH, QAA, which is Qualified All Age, which Qualified All Age means that the dog was running in qualifiers to run field trials, and the dogs either have to win or come in second so that then they can run for field trials. When you get into field trials, if ACE had a field trial uh, title, he would have an FC field champion or AFC amateur field champion. And FC is a dog that is run by a handler or by a pro that the handler hires. And an AFC means that the dog is run by the owner or one of the owners of the dog. Those are kind of like your major league baseball. Um, it's not anything that I compete my dogs in. I've got several that could run in that, uh, in, in those stakes. Again, Ace has the qualification to, to run. But it is something that really, if you saw the dogs that run at this level, the amazing things they do and the great distances that they do them at, uh, it, it really sets them apart from the hunt test dogs. Now, when you look at those titles, you don't just want the parents to have titles. You want all of the dogs in that pedigree to have titles so that they all show that ability and show that genetic quality uh, that you're going to get your puppy. Could you go to the pound and just get a rescue dog and teach the dog to hunt? Absolutely. Are you guaranteed of it? No, you're not. So if you look at the pedigree, if you get a stacked pedigree and you put your time in and do your training right, you're really hedging your bet and you're giving your percentage of having a hunting dog at a much higher level. So that is why when people say they just want a hunting dog, don't look at it as you just get a hunting breed because just because a dog is from a hunting breed does not mean that it is going to hunt. It may not be bred properly. And then at the same time, it might not have 
the intelligence to perform the tasks that you have. So that's why you get the quality pedigree and then you have everything that you need to start out on this wonderful journey called your hunting dog. Again, they're all champions. Some are champions at the couch, some are champions in the field, some are champions during competition. So that is what you want to do to make sure that you're getting this and so that you're getting this set so that you can really have success once you are in the field. Now, I also will have people that will say, do I need a dog with a great pedigree as a pet? And I would argue yes. Uh, I would say it's soggy acres retrievers. We have somewhere in the neighborhood of about 40% of our dogs just go to pet homes. When you are getting a dog with a fine pedigree from a, from a kennel that is doing a great job and has a breeding program, you're also getting a dog that's being bred for its trainability, its intelligence, and its temperament. Again, just because you put two labs together doesn't mean you're going to get a great dog. So you want to make sure that whoever you're buying that dog from is putting a lot of work into making sure that the dog has a good temperament. When I started doing our kennel, it was very important for me to have our dogs in homes and not just living in a kennel. One, I love dogs. I think they deserve more than living in a 4 by 5 kennel. Uh, and with how big our kennel is, we have 30 dogs, I would have a bunch that just didn't get the care that they needed or the attention that they deserve. So we place our dogs with families. Two, I can also with a straight face say our dogs have a good temperament because they are with families. Most of them live with kids as well as adults and they have lives and they perform the number one dog job of any dog and that is as a pet. So when you're looking for a great pet, I urge you to go ahead, find a dog with that pedigree, find a dog from a good kennel and you are then going to be asking these questions like, how do you breed for temperament? Can I meet some of the dogs? As you look at that, you will see the cream rise to the top in dog breeding. There are a lot of people that will just say, what do you breed for? I breed for black, yellow, and chocolate puppies. That's not a breeding philosophy or a breeding program. That's just breeding for a color. And many of those folks will likely not be in the dog world for very long. Everyone looks at the dog world as being this cash cow, and you can make a very good living with it, but you also have years where you just crash and, and, and really struggle and it, it, it's a business. So the people that are only in it because they want to buy a new four-wheeler so they're going to breed their dog to the neighbor's dog, they aren't going to be in it for long because they don't have the wherewithal to deal with mist litters, C-sections, uh, dogs passing, all the things that can happen because we cannot control mother nature and they will not be in the business long. So they aren't going to put the time in to worry about good temperaments, and a lot of the abilities that you're looking for because they aren't thinking long-term. Your good kennels are going to have this long-term view, and they're going to want to make sure that you don't just buy this puppy, but you buy your next three or four puppies after that from them. And that's basically how we do business here at Soggy Acres Retrievers. So just keep that in mind when you are looking for your next pup and looking for a quality breeder that you want to get a good pedigree, you want to get a dog with good temperament, and you want to make sure that they have all the health guarantees that they need and health clearances so that you're getting a healthy, happy, smart, and athletic dog. Our website is SoggyAcres.com. You can always go on there and look around. My wife, Kate, has put a lot of the 
questions that we normally are asked on there so that there's a lot of information as well as there's a checklist you can print off and you can use when you talk to other kennels, whether it's for a Labrador Retriever or another dog, so it'll really help you make sure that you're asking what needs to be asked. So that's going to be it for this part of the uh, podcast. Next, we're going to talk about why do we release a dog for a retrieve by its name as opposed to a word like fetch. And I have one of our fans has sent in a question about how to get his dog to fully finish his retrieve as he's having some issues. So we're going to answer that coming up next after this. This portion of the podcast is proudly brought to you by Boucher Automotive in Janesville, Wisconsin. Welcome to the training tip portion of the podcast. I have a message from someone that bought a puppy from us. His name is Brian. And Brian said that his dog loves, loves, loves to swim. Too much, maybe. Uh, She doesn't tend to bring her bumper right back when they throw it in the pond. Sometimes she'll swim around and she'll keep dropping the bumper. And she'll begin puppy splashing with the bumper out in the pond. And he asked what I would do to encourage her to have the bumper in their mouth as well as steps forward on his training. So, Brian, what we would do on that is when you train your dog, when you start out, you should do something called force fetch or trained retrieve. And this is teaching mouth control on your dog. And I always tell people when you're doing training, about the first four to six weeks of our training here at Soggy Acres Retrievers, as a, on a professional level, just deal with control, obedience, and things of that nature and not going to work in the field or in the pond. The reason being, if a dog is out in the pond, you can't control them unless you're going to dive in and swim after them. And I don't know anyone that's going to. So what I would do in that instance is pull your training back, get to where you're going to do your trained retriever force fetch, your e-collar conditioning and introduction, and work on your obedience. And then work with your dog on land so that as you need to correct them, you can, you can manage and work with them. And also on a leash, if they are not, uh, if they are not uh, completely collar trained and working with you. I always start with our trained retrieve up on a force fetch table. Then I move down onto the ground and work with the dogs on a lead so that I have access to them and so that they can't bolt or jump away if they're going to be corrected and shown how to do the retrieve or how to hold the bumper. It all comes down to control. It all comes down to making sure that you have it set up so that you don't have the dog where they're in a realm where they can do things and get away with it. So take things one step at a time, work with them slowly, and you will build the foundation of your dog, which is force fetch, e-collar conditioning, and obedience, and then you build your house up to where you're doing those retrieves in the field. I also had another question that someone asked us on Facebook that I felt was interesting. They asked why when professional trainers train dogs do we release a dog on their name for a retrieve as opposed to saying fetch. And this one is real simple and it's something that I actually started telling my clients and explaining to my clients so they did understand it because it was it was a very good question. A lot of times when you're training dogs and you're running dogs and you're handling dogs, you take things for granted and you don't look at it from someone that's just getting into the sport. So this would be the answer to that. We release dogs on their name for a retrieve. So you're going to tell them to sit 
and you're going to keep them at sitting until uh, the bird or bumper is down and then you're going to release the dog and you say their name. So if the dog was our dog Ace, you'd say Ace. <laughs> the reason that we do that as opposed to fetch is that when people are out hunting with their dogs, a lot of times they have a friend that has a dog. And if we used fetch, both dogs would, both, would go at the same time and they wouldn't honor each other's retrieves. Generally speaking, we don't have friends that have the exact same name as our dog. So it makes it so that that isn't an issue. So that their dogs, let's say name is Brutus, your dog's name is Ace. You're releasing your dog. Brutus has not been released. On the next one, Ace would be sitting. You're telling him, sit, sit. The other gentleman would say Brutus and have his dog and go out and do the retrieve. It just makes it cleaner, simpler, and breaks it down so that the dogs completely understand. And if there is an issue, you can correct them and they'll understand the correction. So I hope that helps. Those are a couple of great training topics for us today. Next up, we're going to talk about my level of excitement for the upcoming teal season after this. This part of the podcast is brought to you proudly by Mech Outdoors. All right, the last part of our podcast today is me talking about my level of excitement for the upcoming hunting season. Why do we hunt? We hunt because it is something we greatly enjoy. Uh, my lovely bride, Kate, allowed me to go look at another piece of property. and We added another piece of property to our uh, hunting portfolio uh, for my boys and I. And it is something that we didn't need, uh, but absolutely wanted. And she was kind enough to say that uh, we could go ahead and go for it and buy this property. So what we own now is two pieces of uh, marshland uh, that have great deer in them, but also lots of birds. I am so excited about September 1st, which is coming up. Today is the 19th of August. And on September 1st, our season opens for teal. We have a, a one-week season. And I went out scouting. Both properties have lots of teal. Now, I will say I'm probably going to be a little more hesitant to hunt the new property and I'll stick with the older property because I have areas that I can hunt where it is only teal. In Wisconsin, it is just teal. You, if you cannot uh, shoot any other birds and it is not uncommon for people to mistake wood ducks, which I have not, but it's not uncommon, mistake wood ducks for teal because they hang out in the same area. I have places that we hunt where it is only teal um, I've seen very few other ducks there early in the season, so it makes it for a lot less stress when the birds are coming in uh, for your bird ID and for, for making sure that uh, you're, you're not making any mistakes. The new property has at least 10 acres of rice, and by my estimation, there are going to be all kinds of different ducks there. My other property is more mud flats uh, with lots of duckweed. That tends to only have the teal in there, but this new property with all of the rice and it's got duck potato, I think it's going to be a great variation of birds. So we're going to probably lean on our current property that we have and leave the newer property uh, for big duck season when we can shoot anything. But I am so excited about this season. I have honestly never been this excited about a hunting season ever because I am looking at it and I have two properties I get to learn and I get to work on. 
so many times I was told in the past how lucky I was to have the TV show, and we were very fortunate. It was humbling to be able to hunt as many places as I did. But now, to have my own properties, to set them up how I want and learn about them, that just makes it to me all that more challenging and all that more appealing. So teal season is upcoming. Our duck season is, 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 is less than a month after that. We are fired up here in Wisconsin. I hope everyone has that same excitement and desire to get out in the field because that is why we hunt. Thank you so much for listening to this week's podcast. Hope everyone has a great day. God bless. Sporting dog adventures run, boy, run. Everything you need is here under the sun. Everything you need is here under the sun.